Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library, and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalized results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI... Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. (laughs) And edit it. (laughs) Hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music, or eBooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. (laughs) (laughs) And you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky. How you doing? <laughs> Pretend you didn't see any of that. At home, we'll just put the theme song in. It's going to be great. All right. Okay, we won't be doing that. My name is Dave Warnicky, and as always, I'm joined by Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Yeah. And this week we are also joined by a very special guest. Could you put your hands together for the wonderful Nick Mason? Oh my God. It is Sunday night. It is practically midnight. Let's learn some things. Let's do it. Okay, so uh, mistakes have been made. Um, I uh, printed out the wrong ticket lists. I sorted in the wrong order. Many of you uh, probably wandered into the wrong show. I was just telling Carl on the door, just let him in, just let him in. So uh, we've, we're making a loss on this tonight, Mason. Sorry about that. So, but great to have you all here. Matt, Jess, how are you going? Um, good, thank you. I'm good, yeah, I'm great. Everyone would have seen the footy score today. Saints by 69. <laughs> nice. Nice. Very nice. It was a res- result so nice. Oh, I'm going to watch it twice. Uh, <laughs> I should check now. Am I doing the report or not doing the report? Yes. I... Honestly, I'd be worried about anyone except you because you, when you do do your report, you don't write anything out. You just do, go do. straight from the top of your dome. <laughs> so if we wanted you to right now, could you just give us, like, Spider-Man or something? Yeah. Um... Snake yeah. does the Nicolas Cage film. They just oh, absolutely, yeah. Abs- yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's abs- a problem gambler in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Let's let's do that. So good. <laughs> no, it's okay. No. I have I have written one. It's okay. okay it's a relief. Okay, that's um, right. Dave, explain how the show works, though. 
Well, what we do here uh, is we take it in turns to report on a topic often suggested by one of the listeners, go away, do a little bit of research, bring it back to the group, and then all have a bit of a laugh. That's what we do. Well, we that's try beautiful. to anyway. Yes, that's, that's, that's how we describe it. And it is Jess's turn to do the report. Mm-hmm. But before we get on to that, uh, who's heard the show before? <laughs> love Nerds! Nerds! Uh, your instinct was to put your hand up. I love it! Uh, the this... one who put his hand up was a guy who's clearly been at the, the racetrack as well. <laughs> that's There's a few... Motorsport guy. Very polite. Like, is, that, is, that, is that how they... I guess that's how they do it there. Everything's so loud you can't cheer when their cars go past. <laughs> Just wave at them. Put your hand up. <laughs> On your <Nice>. Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other end of the scale, give us a wave or a cheer if you've never heard the show before. All that right. can't be right, surely. Bit of a wave there. How are you? Thank you so much. Have you wandered in? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what this is? Dave Hughes is not here. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for joining us. So, yeah, that was the, the explanation was for you. That's what we do here. And we always get a topic with a question. Mm-hmm. Now, Jess has done the research, so uh, Nick, you're off the hook. <laughs> so, Jess, if the answer is Spider-Man, I'm going to be so happy. That would be very cool. <laughs> but uh, what's your question? My question is, which 1996 Marlon Brando movie has been described as roughly akin to watching a slow-motion train wreck in which the flames spread into the brush and become an out-of-control wildfire? <laughs> is that that one? It's something like Dr Marvin Monroe or something? Oh, it's... fuck, you're not bad. Uh... <laughs> island of Dr Marvin it's, Monroe? It's the island of Dr Moreau. It think, is yeah. the island of Dr Moreau. Well done. Maybe Mesa would get it. No offence, Matt. I did not expect that from you. But you are a million years old um, and you've seen every movie, I think. Is this one... Have, have you seen it? Have you seen Island of Dr Moreau? I, I haven't seen it, but it's infamously... was just like a nightmare shoot. I know that. Yeah. And I've just realised I was saying a character from The Simpsons. <laughs> Dr Marvin Monroe yeah. had a... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I think Sorry. you combined him and Dr Nick Riviera, I think, into yeah. some sort of <laughs> yeah. horrible chimera, which is very accurate because the, it's very apt because that's mostly what the movie is about. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. So you've seen the movie? Yes. Fantastic. Wow. No follow-up questions, please. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Well, I mean, obviously, obviously it was a bit of a disastrous production, otherwise it wouldn't make for a very fun story, would it? And then everything went really well. And um, everyone had a good time. The end. No, this one's a real train wreck. And we had such a good time when Matt did the report on Raw, um, which... So do you, are you impressed I vaguely remember that? Yes. Where were we? Where, 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 where Fuck, if I know. Um, England? We're in Birmingham. <laughs> and Raw was that movie about um, Melanie Griffith living with tigers or yeah. something? Okay, yeah. yeah. God, you're good. I've also seen that, probably. Oh, my God. You can't prove that I haven't right I now. I can't. So. I wouldn't dream of it. Mm-hmm. It'd be such a weird thing for me to get obsessed about. <laughs> <laughs> and there's, there's simply no time also. No, it's, I know. We've started people, late. Sorry again. Um, People have lives and kids and jobs and well, work the next day. I don't, though. I've got none of those things. We've, we've locked the doors. This is going to be three hours long. Has anybody in the audience seen The Island of Dr Moreau? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. What's it about? I know, though. But you tell me. No, no, I've, I can do it. It's all right. You, you, you take the load off. Um, so a bit, of, a bit of a backstory, first and foremost. So The Island of Dr Moreau is a 1996 American science fiction horror film based on the 1896 novel The Island of Dr Moreau. Wow. By H.G. Wells. There you go. 100th anniversary, that's interesting. I know, beautiful, isn't it? It had already been adapted for the screen a couple of times, actually. Um, first in 1932 with Islands of Lost Souls and then The Island of Dr Moreau in 1977. Um, so, you know, just... Where do they get their ideas? Uh, it's, you know, they're auteurs. Yeah, Hollywood. You know? I only um, recently learned what that word means and I love to just chuck it in there now. So a brief, um, a brief summary of the plot of the movie for you to set the tone a little bit. So United Nations negotiator Edward Douglas survives a plane crash in the Java Sea and is rescued by a passing boat. Aboard, Dr Montgomery tends to him and after telling him that the boat has no radio, convenient, he promises Douglas the captain will take him to Timor. 
However, when they arrive at Montgomery's destination, referred to as Moreau's Island, he instead advises Douglas to disembark so he can use the radio on the island. They go to the main house where Douglas is warned not to wander. He meets a daughter of Dr Moreau's called Isa, but Montgomery turns him away from her and leads him to his room. On the way, they discuss how Moreau vanished after becoming obsessed with his animal research. Montgomery locks Douglas in his room. First red flag. Um, <laughs> Is that the first red flag? <laughs> Where were you feeling <laughs> sus? No radio. Don't wander. Yeah. <laughs> don't, worry, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. No, don't worry about that. Come on this way. Come on this way. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> so he's locked in his room, but Douglas does manage to escape that night and he finds a lab where he witnesses the birth of a mutant baby. <laughs> Belonging to and delivered by human-animal hybrids. <laughs> All right, prudes. I, I'm in. This sounds great. This is love awesome. is love, you sickos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel good about it either. Shut up. <laughs> so Douglas is noticed, but he escapes, and he runs into Isa, who leads him to the village of the mutants. Dr Moreau, referred to as the father by the mutants, appears. He inflicts pain on the villagers by using a remote control to activate an implant under the creature's skin as a form of submission. He's a cool guy. <laughs> he explains his creations. He introduced human DNA into animals in search of a higher being incapable of harm. How did he introduce that DNA? You were wondering that? <laughs> I mean, I was wondering it. Classic that he wouldn't know. <laughs> How does it work? Explain. Explain that to me. One of life's many mysteries. Ah, <laughs> oh, Dave. I just want. I just want a mutant. All right. I just want one of my own. What? Would, which one would you go for? If you're gonna. If you're gonna. If, fuck you, an if, animal, if you're gonna <laughs> fuck an animal. Which animal? What's it gonna be? Um. There's no way I can answer this question. <laughs> Not be... You literally just said, I just want a mutant. Yeah, but I don't want any of the work, you know? Uh, my, my friend James, who I do a podcast with, he has a real thing for Maid Marion, the fox. <laughs> in Robin Hood, and I reckon... A fox. Yeah, if he were here, he would, he would probably confirm that that's his whole deal. He would say the... Oh, my yeah. God, Robin Hood. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. One time we were in Dublin and we saw this bird that was so hot. <gasps> yes! It was... The hot it was a really hot bird. Oh, my God. We Which, might have been jet-lagged. I don't know. But it, oh, yeah, that it bird. A, it was a magpie. <laughs> it was a magpie. But they're, they're different over they're there. They're magpies. Don't are, judge us. They're different. Their magpies are so hot. They're hot. Oh, my so God. I think about that bird so often. <laughs> Is it just because you were on holiday and it was like a like a fling kind of situation? Yeah, think, exactly. Do you think if you'd seen that magpie in Melbourne, you'd be like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah no. I'd, I'd probably avoid eye contact, yeah. 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 But I'll always have Dublin. <laughs> All right, we know Dave's answer. <laughs> Lock in hot bird. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, he's introduced human DNA, don't worry about it, Dave, um, into animals. Okay. And the existing beast folk, as they're called, are imperfect, but Moreau claims to be very close to a solution. Um, a mutant is unexpectedly killed and his body is burned and a mutant called hyena swine... What, what's his deal? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, it's it's difficult with like a... Hyena swine. Yeah. I don't mm. know. Mm. Um, he notices the pain implant. Sounds like more like the island of Dr. Portmanteau. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get it, but they, li they liked it. <laughs> it got a pause, so I, I can go with it, I reckon. I think well, I just, we all stopped talking long enough that yeah. they... <laughs> they, That's all it they takes. felt awkward they wanted to fill the souls. <laughs> anyway, Hyena Swine um, notices the pain implant and then he's like, hang on a second, and he removes his own pain implant. It's that easy. It's that simple. Just take it out. Um, anyway, Montgomery reveals to Douglas that in addition to the pain, the animals are controlled through regular druggings to prevent them from retrogressing. Hyena Swine reveals the removed implant, and so Montgomery sets the other beasts after him. Uh, meanwhile, Douglas tries to contact the outside world, but Montgomery sabotages the radio. I don't think this Montgomery guy is very good. <laughs> 
Um, the beast folk remove their implants and they kill Moreau. They take over the island and Douglas is able to narrowly escape and leaves the island on a raft. In closing narration, Douglas reflects on the comparable savagery and can, that can emerge in humans and claims that he leaves the island in fear of what humans might be capable of. Whoa. Pretty deep, hey? I'm wow. more afraid of what those mutants are capable of. Yeah. <laughs> Probably got claws in that. Yeah, you know? freaking yeah. hell. Yeah, teeth. Yeah. You reckon yeah. they have teeth? Probably have teeth, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've got a whole island to themselves. You know what, what they'll do next? Mm. Freaking hell. <laughs> and this all happened on the set of the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. So anyway, that's, the, that's a, a plot summary. Mazo, how did I do? Yeah, that was... Um, exactly how you remember the film. Uh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's like it was yesterday. Good. Would, would normally do a spoiler alert at some point there, Bop. I think you've, you've given a few of the key points away. All right, um, spoiler alert. <laughs> so making a film version of The Island of Dr Moreau was a lifelong dream of South African director Richard Stanley, who had first read the book as a child. He spent four years developing the project before getting the green light from New Line Cinema. Was this before or after? Did, did he learn that it had already been made or did he...? <laughs> but he, <laughs> they didn't have the heart to tell him. Oh, no. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, you're the first. Don't tell him. So New Line managed to secure Marlon Brando for the film, but some of the New Line Cinema team had concerns or hesitations towards Richard Stanley. He was a bit unusual. He's a bit of a... He's a bit of an odd... Guy, um, he is a, the guy who wants to make the hyena swine. Yeah, the okay, that's interesting. It's a surprise to everyone. Um, there's a documentary they've made about it, and he is a, he's very intense, um, and he's just a bit odd. But the thing that really um, sort of set them against him. Okay, what is he about to do to some to yeah. some animals? That's what I'm worried. No, about. he's not doing anything to animals. Okay. But the um, the president of New Line, a guy called Robert Shea, he in the documentary is talking about. Um, what sort of made him think this guy's a bit odd. And it was when Richard came in for a meeting and um, Robert Shea's assistant said, can I get you a cup of coffee? And Richard said, yes, please. And the assistant said, how do you take it? And he said, three or four sugars. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and Richard, <laughs> um, Robert Shea said, this is a quote from him, when I heard that I thought, there's something going on here. <laughs> That I don't completely understand. But nobody takes four sugars and a cup of coffee and walks out as a solid citizen. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, Richard's the weirdo. Um, he is, though. So, sneakily, New Line went behind Richard Stanley's back and offered the movie to director Roman Polanski... Because of the sugar. Oh, my... The sugar. Wow. <laughs> well, we can't, we can't have Mr Three or Four Sugars. Let's get Roman Polanski. Yeah. <laughs> A totally normal guy. A much better decision. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's get Harvey Weinstein to produce this. <laughs> this would be great. <laughs> well, furious about this, Richard Stanley demanded a meeting with Brando, seeing as he'd written the script, and he figured maybe he could convince... Marlon Brando to be on his side and use his star power to get Stanley back into directing the movie. He's like, I need, I need the big guy on my side. Um, so this next part, I am quoting directly from Richard Stanley from a doco called Lost Soul, The Doomed Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr Moreau. <laughs> Did he know it was called that when they were interviewing him? <laughs> I, I don't think so. Um, Richard Stanley's fun time adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Want to do an interview okay, for yeah, him? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> So this is him talking about setting up a meeting with Marlon Brando and hearing that Marlon Brando isn't too thrilled about this meeting. And this is what he says. Knowing that the odds were stacked against me, I resorted to witchcraft. <laughs> At that point in time, I was friendly with this warlock chappy in England. <laughs> Dr Edward James Featherstone, commonly known as Skip. <laughs> so Skip had been shown to demonstrate his ability to fix things, to do invisible mending before. So I said, my God, Skip, you've got to help me. You've got to save my movie. That's all a direct quote. <laughs> I resorted to witchcraft. He says it so sincerely. Because at first you're watching it and you go, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> But how, did, how did Skip come to his help? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> is invisible mending a metaphor, or is it the other like a Janome overlocker, or <laughs> how did how did that work? 
I guess we'll find out. <laughs> we are going to find out. Skip, Skip isn't so, um, uh, so open with his methods. Oh. So Stanley claims at the exact same time that he was in a limo being driven up to Marlon Brando's house, Skip was, on the other side of the world, gathering his coven, <laughs> did some kind of routine, quote, to fix it and make it all all right. I'm, I'm picturing, like, you know, at the Olympics, they have those ribbons. There's those yeah. ribbons on a stick, just a few of those. I think yeah. so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Throwing a big ball in the air, doing a little flip, catching it. Very cool stuff. <laughs> so Richard Stanley went to Marlon Brando's house, along with a representative of New Line, a woman named Ruth Vital. Great name. He um, made a big mistake, though, because he went on the day of his daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> The Godfather. For <laughs> <laughs> anybody who wasn't sure. Um, and his daughter's name was Stella! <laughs> All right, I'm out of references. All right, here we go. Man, I sure am tired of this apocalypse now. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Stanley and Ruth Vital, they go to, um, to Marlon Brando's house, house and Stanley says the room that they were in was quite stuffy and Ruth commented to Brando that if the room got any hotter, she'd fall asleep. Very fun stuff from Ruth. <laughs> so Brando turned up the heat, um, and 15 minutes later, Ruth was asleep. <laughs> so she's gone as like a representative from the, from the production company, and she's having a kip. <laughs> the meeting that followed while Ruth slept was apparently quite positive, um, although we really only have Richard Stanley's perspective. <laughs> he says Brando was very sympathetic to his vision and, uh, and he impressed him with his intimate understanding of the novel and its history. So much to the surprise of New Line Cinema, particularly Ruth, who slept through the whole meeting, <laughs> Brando supported Richard Stanley and Stanley was confirmed as the director of the film. Now, Brando was a Hollywood legend, obviously, but he wasn't a box office star. They needed somebody current, of the time. Big box office, bring in some cash. Um, so, they, yeah, they needed someone who could do that. And who do you reckon they went for? Mid-90s, action star. Was it Guy Pearce? It wasn't Guy Pearce. Brendan Fraser. Oh, man. That's, that's my number one pick. It's, a, it's slightly Tom too Cruise. early for him, I reckon. Uh, Bruce. Val Kilmer? Val Kilmer comes in later. It was Bruce Willis. Wow. So they get Bruce frickin' Willis in, um, and he was set to play Edward, the castaway who finds himself stranded on the island. Um, and they also brought in James Woods to play Montgomery, and they're like, this is the perfect casting. This is exactly what we want. Marlon Brando, Bruce Willis, James Woods, everything's happy, nothing has to change. Who's Marlon Brando going to be? When He's Moreau. Oh, wait, okay. <laughs> and who was James Wood? James Woods would be Montgomery. Oh, and they're, they're two different people. <laughs> <laughs> I understood your synopsis before. <laughs> Hopefully that's clearer in the movie, but... Yeah. I'm still hearing that, I don't know. I don't they know. are attached, right? <laughs> they're, like, they're like, yeah. They've been sewn together with their genome. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Stanley, he's back at the wheel of the movie um, and he hits the ground running and launches into pre-production. They get special effects creator Stan Winston on the creation of makeup and costumes for Moreau's hybrid creatures. He's they... real good. Mesa, what's he done? Uh, Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Okay. Hey. More mutants. He's a mutant specialist. <laughs> He's very, he's the best in the mutant biz. Um, and they start to scout for locations to shoot the film and they ended up settling for Cape Tribulation, a couple hours north of Cairns in Queensland. However, as it came closer to the time to actually film the movie, problems began to arise. Um, Bruce Willis dropped out of the film. It's believed... Uh, it, well, Richard Stanley says it's because he was um, in the middle of a, his divorce with Demi Moore, but that happened a couple of years later. But he's like, nah, it was happening then, and that's why he dropped out of the movie. <laughs> he did try to buy a town in the 90s. Maybe that's... Bruce Willis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. tried to buy a town. Yeah, in like Idaho, Idaho or something like that. Fuck, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're going to buy a town, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be in Idaho, right? Where else? Yeah. Like, yeah. name another... You can't. No, it's, it's Idaho. Best. Yeah, it's Idaho, yeah. <laughs> you're not an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> David, be finding it really hard not to say that Idaho's not a town, are you? No. I can see you looked uncomfortable. I thought I'm like, Dave, wanting to correct this. <laughs> Did you see the back of my head and you thought, that back of his head looks very uncomfortable? It was, it was starting to shake. <laughs> I was sweating back here. 
Oh, let it go. <laughs> I mean, no one said Idaho was a town, but okay. <laughs> Dave, you had no reason to feel furious. <laughs> Settle down, Dave. Oh, God. Damn. Sorry, I'm, wow. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> You're a boiling cauldron of rage, oh, if anything. I've let everyone down. <laughs> So without Bruce Willis, they need somebody else, as Maso alluded to before. They get Val Kilmer on board. <laughs> and uh, much to Richard Stanley's dismay, Val Kilmer demanded a 40% reduction in the number of days he was required on set. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty substantial. He's like, yeah, great, absolutely. No, I'll come on board, main character. Perfect, wonderful. I'm not going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> I want the same number of days shooting, but I'm finishing it too. <laughs> Every day. Every day. I'm, I'm starting a big lunch at and then a big nap yeah. when I go home. <laughs> so get a, to get around this, they sort of shuffled him around. They made him Montgomery instead, who's like, uh, has slightly less screen time. Um, that's what I did. <laughs> this is the second week in a row I've held someone's drink. <laughs> it's good Thanks, to know mate. your place, isn't it, Dave? So, <laughs> so they, they've just... At the drop of a hat, gone, fine, you can be that guy. Yeah. And you're that guy. Fine, whatever. What is, who cares? Yeah, so they move him to Montgomery and then they just get rid of James Woods. <laughs> They're like, no part for you. So, oh, no, they don't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, have you seen him since? <laughs> James Woods, you're in the movie, but we've given your role a 100% reduction. So I'm afraid... You can go home at midday if you want. <laughs> I mean... So now they still need someone to play Edward Douglas, so they get um, Rob Morrow to play Edward. Um, Rob Morrow from Northern Exposure? Yes! Yeah. yeah. Wow. But don't get too excited, because he fucks off as well. Oh. <laughs> to do Numbers, the TV series Numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where he fights crime with Numbers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Was that him? Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. What, I mean, he's, 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 David Cromholtz fought crime with Numbers, but that was his brother. Was he cast because his name sounds somewhat like the movie? Rob Morrow. Dr. Morrow. All right, you're in. <laughs> I mean, that's not the dumbest thing that's going to happen. Yeah. So. <laughs> Honestly, I'm feeling the vibe of this production. Mm. Yeah. So, um, Rob Morrow's in, but then Marlon Brando's... <laughs> Sadly... Marlon Brando's daughter, Cheyenne, passed away very suddenly, and this is how brutal Hollywood is, leaving Stanley and his production in limbo, not knowing when or even if Brando would show up. So sympathetic. Um, so filming started, tensions had already been high between Stanley and New Line, and within a few days of production, things were reaching a crisis point. Within a few days, which is always good. While everyone on crew says Richard Stanley was incredibly passionate about the movie and enthusiastic about the months and months of fitting prosthetics and rehearsals for the Beast Folk, like, they got a guy in who, um, like, it was an animal specialist and they got him to teach all of the extras how to move like animals. And there were so many extras. <laughs> they were there for, like, four months before anything actually happened. Just getting paid... <laughs> Smoking a lot of pot. Oh, man. That's, I, did, I did exactly that, but I paid to do the drama degree. So that, sounds, <laughs> that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. Yeah, you, you fucked up. Um, anyway, so there were frustrations around Richard Stanley's lack of leadership as the film's actual director. He rented a house in the suburbs of Cairns and very rarely ventured out of it. He rarely attended meetings and some commented that he was probably in a little over his head. But if you ask Stanley what was going wrong at the time, he says this. Again, this is uh, a direct quote. <laughs> is it about Bruce Willis's divorce? <laughs> <laughs> Things started to go wrong. My PA got bit by a poisonous spider that was living in a web underneath a lampshade. She reached in to switch the lamp on and it bit her hand, which caused her flesh to melt. <laughs> it was incurable. Back in London, skip the warlock. <laughs> This is all a direct quote. <laughs> this isn't Jess yet. It's still him. And obviously, guys, Skip is a biochemist. Keep up. Um, Skip the warlock said the clay walls in his lab had been too thin, that he'd accidentally become irradiated, exposed to radiation, and his bones started to crumble. He was in hospital and he caught necrotizing fasciitis, a flesh-eating parasite. So during this time, every one of Skip's fixes came undone. <laughs> and that's why things weren't going well. 
PA got bit by a spider, skips in hospital. What do you want me to do? <laughs> and if you go into a cafe in Cairns and you ask for three sugars, they're like... They're like, get the fuck out, get out of Cairns. <laughs> you get out of Cairns. Um, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. <laughs> And obviously, he didn't have his main ally, Marlon Brando, yet. Um, so he was more and more vulnerable to pressure from the studio. And one of the biggest issues on set was Val Kilmer. Um, he, he arrived two days later than planned and from day one was said to be obnoxious and hostile. He wouldn't deliver his lines as scripted and he would criticise and argue with Stanley about the script and every small detail. Um, I found this on, a, on a, like a film database website, wikipedia.org. If you're familiar at all, no, I haven't no. heard yeah, it's great. like comprehensive movie database. It's like it's got everything you Is want. It on the internet, yeah, wow. it's like an that internet can. movie database. Yeah, oh fantastic. <laughs> that sounds useful. I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like make down. a note of it. It's gonna, it'd be really handy. Um, <laughs> I'm not gonna make a note of it. It'll be gone in the air. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you're lost. So from Wikipedia, the studio mainly seemed. Uh, the studio mainly seems to have blamed the director for not getting Kilmer under control, but another significant factor was the sudden departure of co-star Rob Morrow on the second day of shooting. <laughs> With the location being pounded by bad weather, um, Dave, pounding is something that... Um... <laughs> Oh, go like on. The grown-ups do. <laughs> yeah, please. <laughs> One day, little buddy. Um, with the location being pounded by bad weather that had been that had temporarily stopped filming, Morrow found himself unable to bear the tension and hostility on set any longer. So he telephoned New Line chairman Rob Shea in Hollywood and tearfully begged to be let go. Shea, don't feel bad for him. It was a bit rainy. He was like, oh, well, I don't like it. <laughs> So he, he leaves two days into filming. So now we need to recast again. After a third day of filming, following emergency <laughs> consultations with its on-set executives, New Line abruptly fired Richard Stanley by fax. Oh, no. You're just there waiting for the dot matrix to print out. It's like, you are doing a really good job. You are, you are getting more money. Getting less money. The main reason appears to have been his perceived unwillingness to deal with studio executives and especially his problem in dealing with Val Kilmer. His removal also predictably sent shockwaves through the cast and crew. Outraged female lead uh, Feruza Bulk stormed off set after a heated exchange with New Line executives and then had a production assistant drive her all the way from Cairns to Sydney. <laughs> 2,500 Ks. In a limo. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> Everyone's like, I, in the docker, they're like, I don't think 
she had much of a grasp on the geography. <laughs> and I don't think she realised it was quite so far. I think she made it all the way back to Sydney. <laughs> That's such a long way. Burning in a limo, I mean, what a way to go. She says in her mind it was like a great, it was a massive injustice. Like she was really upset that Richard Stanley was kicked oh. off the film. Her expectation was that all the actors would walk off set in protest. <laughs> I assumed everyone would get in a limo and go to Sydney. <laughs> get in your limos, folks. We're <laughs> forming a little wagon train. Here we go. <laughs> but nobody else did. Um, <laughs> she took the only limo for like three weeks. Everyone could have fit. But she was like, no, no, you get yours. But then her agents warned her. Um, that the studio would ruin her and she would never work in film again if she broke her contract, so she went back to set. <laughs> in a limo? In a limo. <laughs> Richard Stanley was offered his full fee on the condition that he leave Cannes. They're like, we'll pay you your full director's fee, you just gotta, you just gotta fuck off. Um, and, and did he? Well... Because <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a sweet deal, but have you been dreaming about this since you were a child? Are you going to take the money? Oh, oh yeah, he took the money. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there were rumours that he'd made comments about burning the set down. <laughs> and New Line were really paranoid that he'd do something to sabotage the film. So they added a condition that in the event that the film continues to be made, he's not allowed within 40 k's of cans. <laughs> and so a production assistant... Oh, like, join the bloody club, <laughs> eh? <laughs> Take a number and get in line. <laughs> 41 k's from cans, though, no worries. No worries at all. <laughs> So he was driven uh, by a production assistant to Cairns Airport and given a ticket home, but he never got on the plane. And more on that later. <laughs> oh, now he's just going to be lurking around in the back of our minds until we find out what happened What's to him. What's he doing? Like, the production assistant's in the documentary and he's like, they said, take him to the airport, make sure he gets on the plane. And I took that as drop him at the airport. <laughs> Next day, they're like, he didn't get on the plane. And I'm like, well, I dropped him at the airport. <laughs> So meanwhile, New Line brought in veteran director John Frankenheimer. Well known as one of the last of the old school Hollywood directors, Frankenheimer's gruff dictator approach was radically different from Stanley's and he soon alienated most of the cast and crew. <laughs> it's good to just hit the ground running. So he brings in new writers to change Richard Stanley's script and they need to find a new actor to replace Rob Morrow. So they get um, David Thewlis in, um, from Harry Potter. <laughs> um, and uh, after a couple of weeks of production being paused, they're back to filming. And by this time, Marlon Brando's finally turned up and he is phoning it in. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking around. Um, so he gives zero fucks. He's like, this movie sucks. None of this matters. I'm getting paid, whatever. He's just fucking shit up. <laughs> So he's making suggestions, he's making demands about his character and, and what he'd be wearing, and his decisions are often dictated by laziness. So, for example, <laughs> he says his character, Dr Moreau, would be wearing white paint all over his face when he's outside. He'd just be covered in white paint. And that was mostly so that his body double could do most of the work. <laughs> He would spend most of the day in his air-conditioned trailer while actors and extras sweltered in the tropical heat in full makeup and heavy costumes. It would take like three hours to get them in costume because they're like really full-on prosthetics, but then they'd sit around all day not sure if they're actually going to get filmed. But they, but the like costume people had to do the full proper job on them in case. And then they would just sit around. Um, there was one time um, that Brando and Kilmer, hate, they hated each other. They did not get along. And on one occasion, this resulted in the cast and crew being kept waiting for hours, with each actor refusing to come out of his respective trailer before the other. <laughs> Are they just listening at the door? Yeah. Is he out? I'm not going out of here, I don't So that's fun. Um, this is actually a glimpse into what it's like to go overseas and tour with Jess and Matt. Fucking... <laughs> You're waiting at the Airbnb door. I'm like, come on, we got to go. Not until she gets out of her room. <laughs> deny it. I won't deny it. No, <laughs> Matt is a diva. <laughs> I'm annoyed if you've woken me up before Jess has left her room. <laughs> Don't wake me up till the car's running. I'll just come down. <laughs> This is my favourite part that I read about this story. So Brando refused, he refused to learn his lines and apparently in a few films, including this one, he would wear an earpiece and his assistant would read the lines to him. Yeah. <laughs> That's so handy. Yeah. 
Uh, supposedly, I could, I could use uh, that on everything I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be all right. Supposedly, in Superman Two, he plays well. He, not supposedly, he he plays Superman's uh, father. And uh, spoiler alert: in the in the scenes with the baby, apparently he, they'd written the lines like on a post-it note on the baby. On the baby. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> One of the best in the biz. Yeah. <laughs> He's peeling the person notes off the baby's face. But that's not even the bit I loved the most. Oh. So um, his assistant would be feeding him his lines, um, which is already amazing. But apparently um, one time uh, Brando would be in the middle of a scene and suddenly he'd be picking up police messages on his earpiece <laughs> and would repeat, there's a robbery at Woolworths. <laughs> <laughs> Like that. <laughs> Honestly, reading that, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this topic. That's and fucking great. The other actors just have to improvise. They're like, that's fucking Marlon Brando. They're like, yes, right. the Woolworths on this island. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Run but, by mutants. Yeah, but anyway, back to the, back to the mutants. Yeah. <laughs> A real fucking nightmare. <laughs> and that, in the whole movie, is he just doing this the whole time? Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, and I mean, it's, it's mid-90s. How good could the technology be? Um, so this is, this is pre-Coles radio. He wouldn't have been picking yeah, up Coles yeah. radio. Okay. Coles MasterCard. <laughs> um, another part that made me laugh was this quote from Val Kilmer, who said he and Brando actually got along pretty well. Um, so don't believe everyone else. Um, <laughs> but Frankenheimer went on to blame me publicly for ruining the movie. I always thought it an odd thing to try to do, blame me for his failure to make an entertaining film, because my character dies halfway through and the last half of the film sucks as bad as the first. <laughs> <laughs> It's my fault, is it? Okay. <laughs> so The Island of Dr. Moreau was released in August of 1996. It grossed 49 million worldwide on a budget of 40 million. That's um, less. Yeah. Well, with marketing and other expenses, yeah, big old loss for the studio. It received six nominations for the Razzie Awards, including Worst Picture and Worst Director. It won Worst Supporting Actor for Marlon Brando. <laughs> and Val Kilmer was also nominated. <laughs> Um, at the 1996 Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, Brando was nominated for Worst On-Screen Hairstyle. The white paint. Yeah. Like like, I don't, I'm not buying it. He wears an ice cream tub. He does wear an ice cream tub at one point. Um, what? Yeah, he wears like, a, a, like a, a bucket on his head. Like I said, he was fucking around. <laughs> he kept suggesting stuff and they'd be like, oh, I don't Mr. Brando, he'd be like, no, we're doing it. And he has, like, a bucket on his head at one point. Do you think that was a magpie thing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, he's, yeah, yeah. He's, he's gone native. Yeah. <laughs> and then he would make the other actors, like, tip ice into it to keep him cool. Oh, very he wore strange. It, wait, he wore it facing up? Yeah. That's good balance, <laughs> Brando. <laughs> or he's got, like, a little chin strap going. Yeah, y yes. Is that seriously? I'm pretty sure, yeah. You're the... Fill it up. <laughs> it was really bad. At one point, um, uh, the actor that was playing his daughter is trying to talk to him about, like, how their characters relate, and he's like, Don't, what are you doing? Don't even worry about it. <laughs> You're getting paid. Fuck it. Like, he just, he just did not care at all. Also, if you could turn around, because I've written my lines on the back of your head. <laughs> so... There's one anecdote that um, one of the actors tells, he, he himself is German and Marlon Brando's like, oh, I speak German, and starts talking to him. The guy's like, uh, I, that is not German. <laughs> and then Marlon Brando just gets mad at him and keeps repeating himself until the guy's like, oh. <laughs> and then, like, he's, just, he's yelling at a German man for not understanding his German. <laughs> Perplexing. But I want to finish on um, one more baffling part of this story. So remember how Richard Stanley, the original director, never actually left Australia? Um, he later admitted that he had retreated to a remote area in Cairns and was recovering from the emotional and mental strain of everything that had happened. And several of the film's production crew, um, they were let go at various times and then, like, rehired as, um, as extras. And, um, and they were camping in the, in the same sort of general area as Stanley. And word got around to a few of the production staff that there was a guy out near the campsite who seemed a bit unhinged. They knew this because of the sugars. <laughs> this guy's fucking mental. 
Um, well, yeah, the guy that bit unhinged and was complaining that Val Kilmer ruined his life. <laughs> and they were like, we think we know exactly yeah. who that is. <laughs> so they go out and get him. And with their help, Richard Stanley, disguised in a full dogman costume, <laughs> snuck back onto set and actually performed in the film as an extra <laughs> without any of the big wigs knowing. So fuck you, Frankenheimer. <laughs> and that is the absolutely batshit story of uh, the making of the island of Dr. Moreau. Wow. Yay, just Perkins! I mean, I wasn't interested in hearing it until that guy yelled out, he wears an ice cream bucket on his head. I want to watch the whole movie because of that. Yeah, it's, um, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Would you recommend watching it, Meso? No. Okay, great. <laughs> Perfect, great. Watch the documentary about it, though, because Richard Stanley is a truly captivating person. Just watching him, you're like, you're going to kill some people. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Did the wizard ever recover from his foreign thing? I think so. I think Skip's okay. Oh. Yeah, and still out there warlocking up a storm. <laughs> Does that mean once he recovered all his spells started working again? Or yeah, that... and that's when Richard got on as an extra. Oh. Found his calling as a dog man. <laughs> and he still lives as a dog man today. Wow. Yeah, it's really beautiful. It is beautiful. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, watch the doco. He's bad shit. Um, don't feel bad for him. <laughs> He's a Did he ever make any other movie? Nah. <laughs> nah. How did he get? The, I don't know. How did he get the job in the first place? Uh, he was like he was kind of known in uh, sci-fi horror. He'd done he'd done a few films. Nothing of this sort of magnitude. Not, not with like such a big budget and such a big <laughs> this crew is and the stuff. The best thing he's been involved. Yeah, with. and he was fired day two. <laughs> I love and hate him. You got to watch it anyway. Well, before we go, and for this as much as for the people here as for the people at home, Nick Mason, you do a podcast every single week. I do. It's called The Weekly Planet. It's about nerd stuff. We will we we occasionally make fun of the awful man that is Marlon Brando. Uh, rest in piss. You will not be missed. Um, he's no good, hey? He's no good. He's no good. New Line Cinema made Spawn in 1997. What? Like, yeah. What? Come on. Guys, I think you too. You made eight Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Like. <laughs> and this is why you don't deal with people who have three or four sugars in their coffee. <laughs> yeah. I'll lead you astray every time. So we can hear the Weekly Planet every yeah, single week and all yeah, the podcast yeah, apps. Yeah, that's exactly right, yeah. It was so nice to have you here. Can we please have a big round of applause for Nick Mason? Thank you so much, Mason. We'd like to thank uh, Carl Chandler and the European Beer Cafe. Great venue here. Give it up for them. Thank you so much. We loved having you here. Thank you so much. We'll be back next week with another live episode. But until then, we'll say thank you so much and good night. And we're back in the room. And what a fantastic episode that was, if I do say so myself. Um, and I have to say it myself because uh, Jess here, obviously, and um, I'm recording this section of the show, the fact, quote, or question, the Patreon section, the most important part of the show. I'm recording that solo. Um, obviously, we uh, didn't do the full um, Patreon part of the show in front of a live audience. Um, they'd already sat through... You know, an hour-long show. Not sat through. They'd enjoyed an hour-long show. And, uh, you know, we've got fairly strict times to finish said shows. So I am here uh, by myself to um, thank a bunch of people who support Do Go On on Patreon.com uh, or, or on DoGoOnPod.com. And the first part of uh, this very special and exclusive part of the show is, of course, the fact, quote, or question where um, uh, Patreon supporters on the Sydney Scheinberg Deluxe Memorial level get to submit a fact, a quote, or a question. And uh, they also get to give themselves a title. Our first fact, quote, or question comes from Nicole de Morton. And Nicole's given themselves the title Official Bagger of Knackers. And I reckon... 
that that's going to be explained in Nicole's fact quote or question. Nicole has asked a question. Nicole's question is, do any of you have a nickname that you don't really like, but just accept because it comes from a mate that loves you? (laughs) Nicole has answered their own question, says mine's knackerbags. There we go. Said started as knickers, morphed to knackers, and the rest is history. Love the pod. Hope you're all having an absolute baller of a week. Thank you so much, Nicole. Um, obviously, Dave uh, does not have a nickname he doesn't like. He's obviously tried to start many nicknames for himself, most notably Cobra. Um, I don't have a nickname I don't like, but I was talking about this recently, actually. Uh, it doesn't happen so much on this podcast, but on radio, other podcasts, just around comedy, around work. Uh, everybody always uh, jumps straight to Perco. That happens without me ever introducing myself as Perco. I, ne- I have never called myself Perco, um, but it just happens. And uh, I don't dislike it, but I've never started it or really openly welcomed it. It just happens. Um, But, you know, I think with a name like Perkins, it happens. It's fine. Australians love to, you know, shorten things. We love nicknames based on your surname. It happens. I don't think... um, Oh, I'm vaguely remembering a nickname Matt has had. Oh, Rowdy. Rowdy. One of his uncles calls him Rowdy. But I don't think that's... uh, I don't think he dislikes it. I think it's... um, I I think it's a good nickname, actually. Rowdy's kind of cool. So I hope that kind of answers it for you, Nicole. Nothing that we don't like. Um, you know me. If people had a nickname for me that I didn't like, I'd bloody give them a piece of my mind. Um, our next fact quote question comes from Ryan North, and Ryan's given himself the title Captain Better Late Than Never. Love that. Um, and Ryan has given himself a brag. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm sure a few of you were mid-tweet. Or you were getting onto the Patreon Facebook group or you were ready to message me and be like, Jess, you forgot the most important part. I did forget that this section of the show has a jingle and it goes a little something like this. Fact, quote or question. Ding. Um, And Ryan has opted for one of the... uh, one of the options that we've we've added later, which is brag, you can give a brag, a suggestion, a recipe. You can literally tell us anything you want to in this section. And Ryan has chosen to brag, which I absolutely love. Uh, and Ryan's brag is, my brag is that I'm mates with pod fave David Loring in real life. What a man. I'm hopefully going to back to Australia in August and he can get a real big hug. Oh my goodness. That is so nice. What a brag, a brag about friendship. That's beautiful. Hope you can get back to Australia um, in August and you can give David Loring a really big hug. How nice. Uh, Next we have from Rachel Johnson, who's given herself the title Pied Piper of the Pod. Love that very much. Thank you very much. Uh, And Rachel has given us a fact. And that fact is Gary Newman is 13 days older than Gary Oldman. Wow. Okay. Okay. This is interesting because their names suggest otherwise, Rachel. I'm guessing that's why you've told us. But their names should be the other way around. Gary Newman, 13 days older than Gary Oldman. Should be the other way around. A beautiful fact. I would say, Rachel, I'm going to make a call on that. That's a fun fact. So thank you for sharing that. And finally, for the fact quarter question, we have from Wheat Wheatington. Incredible name. Uh, Wheat has given themselves the title Junior Vice President of Joke Callbacks, North Carolina Division. <laughs> yes, good. It's nice to have uh, contact with our North Carolina office. Um, obviously, we don't get there as often as we'd like. So a pleasure to be uh, checking in with our Junior Vice President over there. And uh, Wheat Wheatington has also gone for a fact. And that fact is, oh, it's a, it's a longish one. Here we go. In May 2003, two men working at the main international airport of Angola boarded a former American Airlines 727, which was undergoing renovation. Without communicating and with no lights, they taxied onto the runway, manoeuvred erratically and took off, flying southwest with enough fuel to travel 1,500 miles. Despite an exhaustive search, including the FBI and CIA, no trace has ever been found of the thieves or the plane, and it remains one of the largest aircraft thefts to date. That's right, it's a mystery fact. Wow! That's crazy, they just... They were working at the main international airport and they just got on a plane 
that was being renoed. Wow, okay. And they they just flew it and disappeared. What do you reckon, Wheat Wheatington? Do you think they've like flown it to maybe an aircraft hangar they had? They've hidden the plane somewhere or did that plane uh, ride not go quite to plan, I wonder? Hmm, thank you for that. That's a great fact. I'm definitely going to say that one's a fun fact. Love that. Thank you so much, Wheat Wheatington, Rachel Johnson, Ryan North, and Nicole DeMorton. Appreciate you all very, very much. Another thing we like to do in this section of the podcast is um, thank, uh, give a shout out to some of our patrons who support us um, on a, I want to say, ask, prod, and above. Um, and we've got a few that I'm going to thank today. Uh, I'm going to get through. Uh, the normal amount that we would would normally do, I reckon, but I'm going to kind of uh, really, really, cr- I'm going to get through this. I'm going to do it quickly and efficiently because that's the Perkins way. Now, normally I would come up with some sort of game. Um, uh, okay, the topic. This was my report. I should know this back to front. But full disclosure, uh, at the time of recording this section, we did this episode uh, two two weekends ago, and uh, my brain very tired from comedy festivals. So um, it was the island of Doctor Moreau, the making of the movie. Um, oh, okay. I'm maybe I'll go for like what kind of beast person you are. You know, a hybrid of animals. Okay, I'm going to go with that. I'm happy with that. So first and foremost, I would love to thank from Lanesboro in Massachusetts, I'm guessing, MA. Why do I always forget MA? Is that Maryland? One second. Let's do a live Googling on the podcast. MA, Massachusetts. Always follow your gut, Jess. You are absolutely right, you beautiful little angel. So from Lanesboro, Massachusetts, Shannon and Brian Cook. And conveniently, Shannon and Brian are actually the same species of um, beast folk. And that is they are... They are... Okay, I'm looking around the room. There's no reference to animals in this fucking room. Horse... 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 Fox. Horse foxes. Oh, that's not bad, actually. Kind of like a horse body of fox head. Fox heads are pretty cute. Um, so that's not bad. I think I think you've got to appreciate that, Shannon and Brian. Um, our, our resident horse foxes. Uh, next, I would love to thank from deep within the fortress of the moles. That's right. Location unknown. Jennifer Ann McKay. Jennifer Ann McKay, of course, being from the fortress of the moles, is a mole dingo. Um, uh, you know, a beautiful native dog to Australia um, with a mole. So that's pretty good. <laughs> So sorry. So sorry. No, actually, I'm not. Those are cute. Uh, next, from Arlington, Massachusetts. few MAs in the, uh, in the list today. I would love to thank Daisy Chow. Daisy Chow is a great name. Daisy, a chow, like a chow chow. That's a dog. Daisy has a little bit of a dog name. <laughs> no, that's sounded bad. But what I mean is I know a few dogs named Daisy. I also think it's a beautiful name for a human. So Daisy Chow, I'm going to say you are part Chow Chow. You are a Chow Chow minx, which is a a beautiful combination. Beautiful. Absolutely nailed that one, Daisy. Um, Congratulations on being a fantastic beast folk. Uh, Next from Edinburgh. Uh, in in uh, Scotland, obviously. Uh, Joe Greenan. Greenan is a good name. I like that very much. Okay, what's green? A frog. You are a frog. I want to say frog hammer, but hammer is not an animal. You are a... Oh, okay. Frog hammerhead shark. <laughs> Whoa. That's honestly not a good combo, Joe. I'm pretty sure these beast folk are mostly land-based. So I'm, I'm not sure that one's going to be... Um, all that comfortable for you but maybe you've got a bit more frog than hammerhead shark maybe you've just got like a hammerhead shark shaped head 
but you've got the like a frog you've got the ability to be in and out of water let's go with that so that you can still be a part of everything because I don't want you being excluded Joe that's not what this whole section of the show is about it's actually the opposite it's about being included um, so thank you so much Joe from Edinburgh next from London I would love to thank Ellie Gleave Ellie Gleave I love the name Ellie Gleave is a beautiful surname goes very well with Ellie I think uh, maybe send your parents a little message and say hey guys um, just wanted to say thanks for naming me so well. Ellie Gleave is, of course, cat, cat, tiger, tiger cat. That's pretty cool, actually, because I know they're like similar, but you're just like a big old cat. <laughs> you're just a big old stripy cat, Ellie Gleave. I'm so sorry. Um, that's pretty cool. I don't, yeah, I don't really see how they'd be all that different. I think you're smaller than a tiger, but much bigger than a cat. (laughs) You'll be very pleased with that, Ellie. Uh, Also from London, I would love to thank Robin Keast. Robin Keast, beautiful. Robin, obviously some sort of bird. Probably a robin, but I won't go so obvious. You are a magpie, magpie swan. Again, two birds there, so similar, but they are very different birds, I think we can agree. So again, very big magpie, but with the elegance of a swan. And that's, I think, the important part, because magpies here in Australia um, kind of shit, to be honest. They're just everywhere. They're a bit of a pest. They swoop us. They swoop at us when we're just trying to ride our bicycles. But um, if the magpies in Ireland or anything to go by beautiful birds a shock of blue but on a swan very cool robin i think we can agree i've nailed that one so thank you very much i would also love to thank from aurum in ut is that utah oh my goodness um oh now i've lost the list hang on aurum in in utah colin j wright Ooh, okay, okay, what do I know? Okay, let's go for the uh, state bird of Utah. You guys got a state bird? Every state's got to have a state bird. Okay, state bird of Utah is the California gull. That makes no fucking sense. Or a seagull. California doesn't make any sense. It's a seagull. Okay, so you're going to be a seagull. <sighs> Seagull polar bear. Oh, similar color scheme. So I think that's something. Um, But it's pretty much like a polar bear sized person with a seagull head and wings. So you've actually got the best of both worlds. Obviously, with the polar bear being quite large, you cannot fly. But you've got the wings there as decoration. I guess you're sort of like a chicken. You can like hover a bit. But yeah, you are not doing any uh, any big flights. I'm sorry, but don't blame me. I I didn't create the beast people. That's Doctor Moreau. That's who you want to talk to if you've got an issue with this. Um, uh, penultimately, I would love to thank from Rochester in New York, KP. KP. Okay, kangaroo, kangaroo panda. I want to say kangaroo penguin. It's definitely kangaroo. I'm not flinching on that. Oh, okay. We'll keep it Australian for you, even though you're from New York. Kangaroo platypus. Great combo there. With the kangaroos, have you seen like really buff kangaroos? Those things are scary. Kangaroos are, they are like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the Australian wildlife. They are buff. Um, And then you've got a cute little platypus bill. Oh my goodness, you might be one of the cutest and coolest of the beast folk, KP, so congratulations. Uh, And finally, from Brooklyn, New York, I would love to thank Brandon Wang. Brandon is, of course, a badger and a goose, badger goose, a goosejer, a boose. Um, badger goose. I don't know that much about badgers, to be honest. They're not something we have a lot of here. Um, but you're a very cute combo and geese are fun. They make a little honk sound. And if they weren't a great animal, why would I name my pet after a goose? Like I wouldn't. So fantastic, 
fantastic choices all around. None of you made those choices. Um, They were thrust upon you by Dr. Moreau, whose science is obviously questionable. But thank you so much for supporting Do Go On. Again, to Brandon, KP, Colin, Robin, Ellie, Joe, Daisy, Jennifer Ann, Shannon, and Brian. Thank you so much, you absolute legends. Um, I asked Matt to check for me earlier. I don't think we have any inductees into the Triptych Club this week. Um, which is probably for the best because as we've seen, I've already lost my mind a little bit just having to do these small tasks by myself. Um, if I had to book a band, organize cocktails and hors d'oeuvres, let everybody in, shout them out, hype myself up, it would just be a disaster. And so you definitely want Dave Warnicky welcoming you into the Trip Ditch Club. I think we can all agree on that. Um, so I guess then all there is for me to do is to, um, uh, thank you once again for listening to the podcast. If you came out to our live shows, uh, if you were able to, thank you so much. We had such a good time um, doing these live shows for you. Uh, and our quiz show was a, a heap of fun as well. So we really appreciate people coming out um, during the comedy festival and uh, and seeing us do our thing live. We absolutely love it. So it means a lot to us. Um If you want to suggest a topic, which you absolutely can do, you don't have to be supporting us on Patreon or anything to do that. You can do so at dogoonpod.com. There's also a link in the show notes. Um, Just follow those links and you'll be able to suggest a topic. If you've got like a a good article you've read about it or sort of the, um, if you can give us a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of an elevator pitch, that's often a really great way for us to identify a story that we think is going to be you know, good for a live show or good for just a regular podcast as well. So yeah, you can absolutely do that. Um, there will be, now there won't be another live show coming out. Yeah, there will, I think be another live show that'll come out. Maybe look, I didn't even have to say it at all if I'm not sure, but that's just how, you know, talking to yourself in in a study late at night. This is what happens. Um, Thank you so much, as always, for listening to Do Go On. We'll be back next week with another episode. But until then, I will say for all three of us, goodbye, laters. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 